Hello, Rediscover Church. Morning, morning, morning. Hope you're doing well, and um, it's great to be with you all today. Uh, how many of you were here for the weekend? Oh, yeah. So it was an incredible time, wasn't it? So we're going to be carrying on uh, with what we've been talking about this morning as well. I want to thank Mark and Nita for having me, having Romel Sai as well. It's been incredible. He's going to be speaking in the second service, and so I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, we have been on a journey. I know as a church, you've been on a journey with prayer. And this morning, I want to just maybe help give some pictorial, you know, addition to what God's doing to help you to help uh, to steward more the culture of prayer that the Lord is wanting to build and intensify in this place. Let's just go into a short time of prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in in this church, in this local assembly. I thank you for everyone assembled here, those not here, those online. I thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for what you're going to be doing through us more. Uh, Father, as we go into your word, would you give us uh, insight, revelation that also breeds and leads to transformation. Lord, I ask that there will be a, a shift in our perspectives. I ask that there will be an impartation of the spirit of grace and supplication, that there will be an awakening to a whole new level. I thank you for the grounds that have been gained so far. But Father, we know there is more, there is more, there's more ground to be gained, Father, in this region for your kingdom. So we say amen to that. Amen. As a church, you're called to not just be a local church, and I know this from things Pastor Mark has said to me, that there's a regional calling on you as a church. And so that's not something that's just meant to be carried by the leadership. The entire congregation has to see, you have to see yourselves as one that you're called to impact this region. You know, one of the uh, scriptures that comes to mind when I even think about that just now is, you know, Jacob's ladder. And I believe I've told this here before where, you know, uh, Jacob had this dream and a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to heaven and angels were ascending and descending. And sometimes when I think about that, I actually like to think about it in the context of where I live, my region, that if God is wanting to send angels on assignment to that region, he has a spot that's like the hot spot where they have to touch base first before they're dispersed into the region. And I'm like, well, wouldn't it be awesome for Rediscover Church to be like a hot spot for angelic activity where God wants to do things in the southwest or in this whole region of Exeter? And because of how hot things are here in prayer, they have to first land here first and then they're dispersed to their various uh, assignments. Are you with me? Anyway, that's the way my mind thinks. So we need, to, we need to open up the prayer shaft. We need to create a highway for heaven to be able to easily access and release what heaven wants to release in the earth as we begin to give ourselves uh, in consecration, in devotion, and in prayer. So today we're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1. And uh, I want to warn you before we go any deeper in this because it's about to get intense. I don't think it's, I don't think there are times where it's not intense with me anyway. So, <laughs> it's a, you're going to hear things you've probably never heard before that's completely out of your, uh, your realm of kind of just life. And I'm not saying it to just have a shock factor. I want to expose you to realities that many of us in the West are totally blind to. I'm going to be sharing a really, really uh, impacting story of a guy I know. But before we go into that, um, 
Let's just read this passage, Ephesians 2, 1. It says, And you he made alive, you were dead in trespasses and sins. So let's just pause there. Paul is talking to the church. He says, The Lord has made you alive, but before he made you alive, you were dead. You have to understand that you were dead. Like, you may not have been physically dead, but you were spiritually dead. There was, when someone is dead, there's, there's no reaction. There's, there's no response. There's nothing going on there. It's just complete disconnectedness from the reality of life. So, when you're dead, there's nothing you can do to make yourself alive as a dead person. Right? So, he made you alive. So you remember Jesus died, right? And he was in the grave. According to Romans 8, 11, the Bible says the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So Christ Jesus was dead. His physical body, by the way, Jesus has a physical body in case you didn't realize that. And that body is still existing right now. It's a physical body that walked this earth. That body is in heaven right now. So now that body can exist in two dimensions or maybe more dimensions, I don't know. But the body is in heaven and the body can exist on the earth. And if it were to appear right now physically, you will see the nail prints in his hand. And that body, even though it was resurrected, it was able to eat, it was able to eat fish. When it was resurrected, it ate food. Maybe that's, I believe that's a picture of what's going to happen when we receive our resurrected bodies. That there's going to be abilities that we're going to be receiving. That's a picture of what happened with Jesus in his resurrected body. Are you with me? So when Jesus was dead, what raised him up from the dead was not something in the flesh. Okay. There was a power that caused his dead body to come back to life. That power was not in the realm of the physical. As in, yes, it was, but that power resides in the spiritual realm. So what powered up his dead body was from the spirit. And the power was so strong that even though it was from the spirit, it had an impact in the physical. Are, Are you tracking with me? That's one of the ways we understand that spiritual realities can supersede physical things. Things in the spirit realm can actually cause us to override the laws of physics. How do you think Jesus was able to walk on water? Because that doesn't make sense and that's not normal. He was defying the law of gravity gravity because he was operating from the spirit. So there are things in the spirit that makes it possible for you and I to override the natural laws. Are you tracking with me? Because he's saying to you, you were dead. So when you're dead, you can't do anything about being dead. You're just dead. But he came, died on the cross. You know the story of the gospel, right? Died on the cross, was resurrected, firstborn from the dead. And that's an example of what he's doing in us. So because you were dead, he now came and made you alive. But do you know the scary part of this? It says the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That should challenge you. Because if the potential of that spirit is to raise a dead body, and that spirit is in you, 
and your life is dead right now, even though you have Jesus and your life is boring and disconnected and you're not seeing the power of God in your life, you should ask yourself, how can that spirit be in me and somehow my life is not reflecting that power? I, I, am I making sense to you this morning? I told you you get intense, so. How could that power be in you? And your life is not reflective of a believer that's carrying the power of the Holy Spirit. Being able to see the move of the Spirit. I often say God is not boring. He cannot be boring. Now that's not to say that times I don't find prayer boring. And I know many of you find prayer boring. In fact, many of you, that's why you don't pray. Because, oh, this is boring. God is not boring. You're the one that's boring. Think about it. I don't, I'm not trying to be boring. When you break it down, you understand the God who created the universe... The God who, look at the beings around his throne. Read Revelations. You know, they have all eyes all around and within. I don't even know where the idea to create such a creature came from. How can that God be boring? If your Christianity is boring, it's a, it's a, it's a sign that you've subscribed to a fake version of Christianity. The real gospel is not boring. Now, when we find things like prayer boring... It's not because God's born. It's because we're still living in the reality of the flesh realm and haven't pushed past the distractions of the flesh. And the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. So when you live in that realm of the flesh so much, spiritual things become boring to you. You know, my son, you know, he's nine-year-old, eight-year-old. Loves playing games and all these things. And recently we've banned him from playing video games. Amen, someone. The reason is we noticed that the more he played video games, the worse his behavior got. And so, we, we, and, and so sometimes my wife and I are having discussions in the home and about spiritual things, and I have no idea he's listening to us. Well, you know they're listening, but you don't realize how much they're actually understanding from what they're listening. And then one day, uh, which is just a random day, we decided to do this live stream together, myself and Justice. And then he came out with this revelation that I didn't even know he understood. And I was blown away because he articulated it in a profound way. I ate. This is what he said. He says, if you're entertained in the flesh, you'll be bored in the spirit. Eight years old. He says, if you're entertained in the spirit, you'll find things of the flesh less interesting. <laughs> so after he said that and he got home and he went to play his video games, I'll send him justice. You're being entertained in the flesh right now. <laughs> what do you think the consequence of that will be? When we're about to pray, I can see you're not really wanting to be engaged because you've been, are you with me? So the more you feed your flesh, the more things of the spirit become boring. But the very power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So you should be like, God, if that power is dwelling in me, why am I not seeing its fruits? Good question. The bridge between that power and this reality is the bridge of prayer. It's already there, but it's still dormant. So Paul is saying to the church, you he made alive, you were dead in your trespasses. And then verse 2. So I'm paraphrasing as well as I read this. It says, while you were dead in your trespasses, you, by the way, I'm reading from the New King James. While you were dead in your trespasses, you walked according to the course of this world. 
So because you're dead in your trespasses, you're dead in sin, you have no connection to God, without you realizing it, by default, your life comes under a certain course. It's like a programming. I don't understand computer programming, but this reminds me of, the, of computer programming in that you just have to write the program and hit enter and the program runs. So there is a program in the enemy has set and is known as the course of this world. Are you tracking with me? The course of this world, however, okay, it's influenced according to the prince and the power of the air. Are you reading this with me? Is this on the screen? No, it's not. Okay, okay. Well, look in your Bible so you don't think I'm making it up. It says, according to the course of this world, which is according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. By the way, the sons of disobedience are also those that are dead in their trespasses. So by, by default, if you're dead in your trespasses, you live according to the course of this world. However, the course of this world is set by the prince and the power of the air. It didn't say the prince and the power of the trees. It didn't say the prince and the power of the sea. The prince and the power of what? Of what? So it's pointing our attention to the airways. There are things in the airways that affect how we live on earth. There are things in the airways of Exeter that influence the lifestyles of people dead in trespasses. Are you with me? There are things in the airways that influence the way believers think and the way believers live in regions. I've been to regions where I've ministered and I can tell it's a stronghold of a religious spirit there. That is existing in the atmosphere. And even though it's a demonic power, it is somehow got its influence in the life of the believers. One of the ways you can discern a spirit that's at work in a particular area is to observe the lifestyles of the people in that region. Because the lifestyles of the people would often give expression to the prince and the power of the air in his manifestation in that region. There might be that religious spirit. There might be a spirit of lust and immorality. There might be a drunkenness. There might be drug addiction. Name it. There are all sorts of things that are domiciled in the, in the air, but they find the expression through... Because spirit beings like to express themselves. Spirit beings are not just there just to, you know, you know just to be in the vacuum, so to speak. They always look for humans to express their desires through. Are you with me? I have a friend in Uganda. And uh, he's going to be coming to the UK for the first time in June. Because we're inviting him. His testimony is one of... And I've, had, I've heard many testimonies of people being delivered. And, you know, people who were involved in the occult being set free. His testimony is one of the most intense, if not the most intense I've ever heard. I'm not going to go into the details but just to give you a snippet, his mother was so uh, desperate for a son. She went to different witch doctors because every time she had a baby, it was a girl. So she was so desperate for a son. She was going through all these rituals, going to, to all these witch doctors and all, everywhere she could find. But it was unsuccessful. And then someone introduced it to someone somewhere. Anyway, long story short, she went through all these rituals and she ended up having a boy. That was him. And so the agreement... When he was, is, are you ready for this? 
By the way, I've made references to this guy in my book as well. Just some parts of his testimony. The, the, agreement, the agreement when he was born was that the day he is born, he's meant to engage in a ritual ceremony, marrying him as a baby to like an 80-year-old witch. Are you tracking with me? So the day he was born, his mother takes him into the forest and he's engaged in this ritual activity and he, he's married on the day he's born. It's weird, isn't it, right? The reason I'm sharing that, I want you to understand the depth of um, how, how deep he was in the occult from his birth. So by the time he was three, by the time he was four, he was already like a high-ranking warlock. And listen, this may baffle your mind, but after he was born and his mom took him home, she couldn't breastfeed him for three months. You know why? Because there was a serpent that was around him for three months straight. Um, see, I told you this was going to stretch your mind. I warned you. All, his, all the mom's family thought, you know, she was crazy and she's got a devil child. So they left her on her own with this baby that had a serpent around him. No one understood what's going on. Anyway, he just started to grow very spiritual and highly intelligent in demonic activities. By the time it's three, by the time it's four, if I don't remember, if I remember correctly, grown men, leaders, were coming to consult from him for demonic wisdom. But before he's a teenager, he said he's broken all the Ten Commandments. But even as a teenager, if I, if I remember correctly, he became a high-ranking warlock in the whole region where he was feared by everyone. And he was walking in such uh, demonic powers. You know, you know, he was interacting with demons and, you know, he, he, he had killed many people. With one look of his eyes, he could send demons to turn people mad and, you know, do the, just one gaze. He, he, he was like, he was high ranking in the spirit. Now, obviously, he got saved. That's how we know this story. But do you know how he got saved? Do you, so where I'm going with this is, do you know how he got, well, you won't know how he got saved. Well, let me tell you how he got saved. And this is how it connects to Rediscover Church. When he was old, I think, I, I don't know if it was in the early 20s, he was like very much respected and just highly feared. He was, summoned, uh, he was summoned somewhere to, in Europe, I believe, to an international gathering of warlocks and witches. And they were at this meeting discussing the destiny of nations. And so they were talking about different parts of the world and some of the threats that they were facing. This is just before 2000, the year 2000. All the threats. And they're talking about some of their plans to, you know, take charge of these regions and these nations. They were discussing all the moves of God and things and how they were going to, you know, stop them. Now, they started discussing his region, Uganda. And in the international gathering of warlocks and witches, these witches were talking about his country and they were all really scared about one church in the whole of Uganda. As in, they were like, they've, they'd sent people to destroy the church. Either the people died or they became Christians. So it's like they, they knew that they had to do everything they could to destroy this one church. Do you know how many people were in the church? 21 people. Do you know it was one pastor, a man, and 20 women? Now, the question we need to ask ourselves, how come one church is causing such an uproar in the spirit? that 
international gathering of warlocks are talking about the destiny of a nation and all they're concerned about is we need to destroy that church do you know what the church was doing the pastor taught the church something he called it covenant praying everyone say covenant praying say covenant praying and what he said to the church is we're going to change Uganda. He said to himself, we're going to impact this nation for God. And so he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on a 90-day stretch of prayer. And we're going to pray from the hours of 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we're going to pray prayers of warfare, prayers of worship, and prayers of repentance. And he said, we're going to start as soon as we all agree on the terms. And these are the terms. If we're on day 40 and any of you come late to the prayer meeting, we're going to reset to day one. If you're sick and you can't come to the prayer meeting and we're not 21 when we gather, it doesn't matter if we're on day 60, we're going to reset to day one. Now, you've got to understand the culture. Ugandans don't keep time. Well, the Ugandans I know, time is an issue. You've heard the whole saying of African time and all that, right? Well, not all Africans are like that, but some have a greater tendency to not keep time. And for Ugandans, in my experience, it's been one of those things. So to say to them that if you come late, are you hearing me? To say if you come late to the prayer meeting, it doesn't matter if we're on day 40, we're going to reset. Now, do you understand how intense that is? So he said to the women, these are the terms for the next 90 days. Who wants to be in this? And they said, we're in. Day one, they started. Day two, they, and so they kept pushing in. They kept, now, the crazy thing is, their church was not increasing in number. But they were having such an impact in the spirit realm that the prayer that they generated, this guy was a warlock. He was not a Christian. But they were, they could feel the shock waves of that prayer meeting. And the, 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 the impact of that prayer meeting was reviving pastors in Brazil. The impact of that prayer meeting was reviving churches in the region. But in, even international impact. But the church had no idea. Are, are you with me? So they summoned this guy up to this meeting and they said, your assignment is to destroy this church because if they hit, if they hit day 90, now I've got the numbers wrong. It's been a while I've heard the clear testimony. Again, I'm excited that we're going to have him in the UK because I, I want to capture this because people need to hear this, especially Western people that think these things aren't real. <laughs> so they worked out these warlocks, and, you know, people in the occult, they worked out that if this church were to hit day 90, they were going to secure a move of God for like, I think it was like 10 years. Are you with me? Like they were going to blockade the spirit realm and, and they were going to secure something that would be impossible to stop for a block of time. So they knew they had to stop this church before they hit 90. And so they sent this guy to go and destroy the church. And sadly, he succeeded. And it was actually through that whole process that I ended up getting saved. I'm not going to go into the details because that's not the essence of my teaching right now. 
the, the reason why I'm sharing that story with you is to give you an idea of what one church can do. When we really begin to take prayer seriously and not just take it casually, when it doesn't, when it shifts from a prayer meeting to a prayer culture and it becomes the very source of life, it becomes how we operate. Where whoever comes into this church has no choice but to be indoctrinated into the life of prayer. Like there is no option. And you see, when you begin to pray as a church, it actually starts to bring a, a demarcation to groups of people. It, your life of prayer sends some people away that are not meant to be part of your army. But your life of prayer draws in those who are called to be part of the army. Are you with me? So don't be discouraged if people are leaving. Remember Jesus went up the mountain in Luke 9 to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He went up the mountain to pray, and the purpose of taking them up the mountain was for them to pray. But when he got up the mountain, he was praying, and they were sleeping. So the encounter was happening to him and not them. They, were, they went up there to pray, but they were sleeping. So on the prayer mountain, you see a demarcation in two companies. Those who are going to press into encounter and those who are going to fall asleep in the place of prayer. When you begin to ascend the mountain, you begin to see a clarity. In fact, prayer brings clarity and exposure to where people are really at. So people that don't want to be part of the church God is building, oh, this prayer stuff is too much. Why are you guys always talking about prayer? Well, have you read how Jesus actually uh, 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 led his ministry? There is, there's really no other way. We in the West, one of the shortcuts, one of the great worship leaders and the great preachers, there are no shortcuts, really there are no. So if we're not going to be indoctrinated into this life, we're actually, into this life of prayer, we're actually kidding ourselves, thinking there is another way to do ministry effectively. Hebrides revival, those ladies, you know the story of the two ladies? What they did was a form of covenant prayer. If I remember correctly, they decided to pray through the night. And, they, and I think they did it twice a week in a certain pattern. And these are old ladies. One was blind, I believe one had arthritis. And they came into a covenant to pray until God came. Oh, by the way, the day of Pentecost came as a result of covenant praying. That's why we know the number of people. 120, exact. It wasn't 121. It wasn't 119. It was 100 because the 120 agreed to stay there until. Do you know this church, when they started that 90-day prayer, they did not allow anyone to join them. Are you, you know, some people can join a prayer meeting and become the distraction to the meeting. Now, I'm not saying, you know, people shouldn't join your prayer meetings, but there's some prayer meetings that need to be closed. Because in that prayer meeting, we know each other by the Spirit. We can trust where each other is at with God in our consecration. And we know this can have a, a, a quorum. You know, when you have a board of trustees, you need to have a quorum. You need to have a certain number of people on the board before you can make decisions that impact the destiny of the charity. So there's like a spiritual quorum where we can achieve that based on not just the number, but the depth of consecration of the individuals in the meeting. And when we reach that place in the spirit, as we begin to pray, our prayers begin to cause a shifting, listen, in the airways. Satan, we've we just read in Ephesians 2, is known as the prince and the power of the air. 
the prince and the power of the air. So one of the ways to understand how the enemy works is to actually have an idea of how the radio works. You know, a radio, a radio has a radio receiver in it. The radio receiver is able to pick up what already exists in the air, right? The airways, frequencies. Are, are you guys alive? Are you with me? A radio receiver is able to pick up what already exists in the airways. And then because of the electronics and mechanics or whatever is in the radio, it's able to take that, decode it, and give expression to it. So if you had a radio in here, you could tune into what's already in the airways, and then you can start to play, you know, radio stations. They're already here, but you can hear them. But the radio receiver enables you to be able to express what's already there. Your soul is like a radio receiver. Whether you realize it or not, everywhere you go, you tune into what's in the air. That's why you can go to places and you can be like, goodness me, it's hard to pray here. Anyone experience that? And then you can go to another place like, oh my goodness, it's so easy to pray here. And you might call that place a thin place. Why is it a thin place? It's because some people have been doing spiritual activity in that place for a long time. So they've taken charge of the airways. So it's easy for you to access the realm of the spirit in God. Are you with me? You know Soul Survivor, right? Probably run for like, I don't know how many days in the week. How many days did they used to run for? Five days a week. Some people will come to the first night hard-hearted. Not, not open to the gospel, not wanting to receive anything that has been preached. By the fourth and maybe the fifth night, you find that their hard hearts are softened. And all of a sudden, they're open to the gospel. What do you think has happened? Because the church has been meeting for five days, they have influenced the airways. So the demonic powers holding that person captive from receiving the gospel is now weakened because when the soul of that individual tunes into the airways, guess what it's picking up? Righteousness. Because the church has taken charge of the space. So now the demonic influence over his soul is weakened and now he's able to receive the gospel. In South Korea, during the revival in South Korea, it was said that the spiritual birth rate the rate at which people were becoming Christians, the spiritual birth rate, was four times the natural birth rate. And when you investigate why that was the case, you realize they had these places called the prayer mountains. And there was ongoing prayer. There was ongoing investment in the spirit. And many of you, some of you may have seen Koreans pray. They pray with intensity. Listen. If the prayer is not moving you, why do you think heaven should be moved? If you're just praying, so, oh yeah, Lord, move if you want to. Uh, it's up to you anyway. Amen. Why do you think heaven will be moved by such a wimpish lack of faith prayer? People who see things shift are convinced of what God wants to do. When Elijah was putting his head between his knees praying, he wasn't doubting that God wanted to send the rain. But the fact that God wanted to send the rain did not mean after Elijah prayed the fifth time, the rain came. In fact, Elijah kept praying and the rain didn't come. Even though God said he wanted it to come. So that's kind of like a bit of a contradiction. Well, God, I thought you said you want a revival in Exeter. God, I thought you said you want to move in this region. 
and you're praying the first time, you're praying the second time. Well, first, let's decode and understand the quality of the prayer you're releasing. Let's understand the people who are praying it. Because prayer is not just what you're saying. It's where it's coming from. The depth of consecration ultimately influences the impact we have in the heavens. Our depth of consecrations on the earth influences our authority in the heavens. That's the life of John the Baptist. His consecration on the earth meant his voice was so powerful. It shifted things in the spirit. There was no social media. There was no advertising. Yet people came to him in the desert. How is that possible? His voice carried authority over the whole region. He had done that in prayer way before he got to preach. But many of us in the church today, especially us preachers, we think it's how we can word things and how we can communicate that's going to shift things. And so we work on all our craft. God bless you if that's all you want to do. But I understand that we will not change anything on the earth unless first we have deep consecrations here and then we begin to influence the heavens with our prayers. Then our words will carry authority to bring about real transformation. We have preachers with big heads and small hearts. Theology but no reality. And I'm tired of just knowing the stuff. I want to experience the stuff. Many of us can quote the scriptures but we don't know it in experience. And there's some things you don't really know until you experience it. God is wanting this place to be a hot spot in the spirit. And God is sending me and people like me to wake you up as a church to realize you have been drafted into an army. See, the nature of this church is not going to be like every other church. So, Pastor Mark, I'm sorry for what I'm about, I'm about to say. If you're not called to be part of this vision, it's probably best you move on. Because there are people that are called to be part of this. So stop. Um, this is getting intense stop taking their space there are people that are called to be in this army because this church is called to be like a spiritual headquarters in influencing the airways in other words anyone who comes in here is going to feel the prayer fire it's not a Nigerian thing it's not a South Korean thing it's a kingdom thing in fact I believe this church is called to be like a flagship in the spirit of what it looks like to raise up a company of warriors in the spirit in prayer but the sad reality is the 21st century church has become a nursery where babies are being fed and not a barracks where warriors are being bred. So all of us just come, oh, preach me a nice message, pastor. Make me feel good. Arome said it yesterday. You don't go to the barracks looking for love. You don't do that. You go there to be trained. Now, I'm not saying God is not concerned about your problems. But as I found in my own journey, as you take on his agenda, you actually develop spiritual stamina to deal with your problems. And even as you go after him, he starts to sort things out in your life. Some of you are wanting counseling for things that God wants you to grow up in. Oh, pastor, I need some time with you. Counsel me. I'm not against counseling, but counseling is not going to fast track God's process of maturity in your life if you don't submit to his dealings in your life. You want the pastor to lay hands on you and sort it out in one moment, and God wants you to come to a place of surrender and dying to self and prayer. But you don't want that. You just want the, the pastor to lay hands and pour oil on you, and it's all done in one moment. But God is more interested in your development. God loves you, but God doesn't trust you if he's going to trust you you're going to have to go through his system of 
of raising a people. It takes a while for God to raise a church. It takes a while for God to raise a man or woman of God. It doesn't happen in an instant. You have to go through his university. You have to go through his school. You have to go through his disciplines. And the interesting thing is, the interesting thing is, for each person, it looks quite unique based on his calling on your life. But if you want a quick way to do this, I'm telling you, there are no quick ways. I said it yesterday, the churches that are growing right now in the UK, the churches, when I say growing, growing in quotes because numbers are coming. The fact that numbers are coming does not mean God is building that church. Because you need to look at his criteria for how he wants to build a church. And at the core of the church he's building is what I'm saying right now. The prayer calling. But many churches have subscribed to just meetings conferences, nice services and people have just lost the connection of prayer. Yeah, we're wondering why we're not seeing a move of God. God is wanting to recalibrate our priorities to the culture of prayer and intercession. This is how we're called to live. I was thinking about this as I was saying now because I spoke yesterday about contending prayer. You breathe in, you breathe out. That's just the way you live. You breathe in, you breathe out. You don't just breathe in all the time. That's like some of you that just want to receive from God all the time. Oh, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, one more, one more. But you're not breathing out. You're, you're breathing out is a picture of that. You're releasing what's within you. When you pray, yes, you have intimacy where you receive. But you also have to contend. It's not one or the other. It's both. Is this intense? It probably is. <laughs> See, this is the way God has made me. I'm sorry if you're offended. I'm not sorry. With the level of distraction and oppression that we're facing in the church right now, sometimes God needs to raise people like me to shake us out of our rot. When I come off this platform and you speak to me, you see that I'm a very nice person. <laughs> Rob says it's true. All right, I need... I need a volunteer to help me hold this paper because I want to show you something. So anyone? <laughs> so what I'd like you to do, remind me your name, I forgot. Julia, what I'd like you to do, Julia, is to hold this piece of paper like tightly like this. Okay, with both hands. So uh, as in you put one hand on this side. Yeah, yeah, so if you just raise that up, just like, so. What I'm about to show you is what happens when we begin to pray over regions. I, I said in the beginning, this church is not called to just be a local church that just does our own thing and, you know, marries people and buries people and do what every other church does and we just go through the motions. You're called to impact this region. And if that's the case, you need to understand that there is a prince and the power of the air that's currently at work in this region. And so when you begin to pray, what happens is, let me just get my, uh, my tools here. <laughs> It's my pocket. <laughs> Come out. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, I've got a pen here. For some people, the volume, I don't mean decibel volume, as in the volume of prayer they're releasing over the region and the consistency has the impact of a pen. So, when they pray, this is what they're doing over the region. That is okay, but that is not enough. And to see the prayer lead to 
Actually, do you want to turn this way so everyone can see you? To see the prayer lead to a place where there is a breakthrough, this, you're going to take a while to keep doing this. And in fact, sometimes that's why prayers keep going on and keep going on because you're like, we've been praying, we've been praying, but we know. But what's happening is sometimes the, the depth of consecration of the individuals praying, the quality of the prayer can be like a pen like this in the spirit. It doesn't have that bulldozing effect. Some of you are coming to a prayer meeting, you just want to, you just want to pray for your, your broken finger and your broken knee. There's nothing wrong with praying for those things, but prayer meetings that are just focused on your needs will not affect the region. The prayer meetings that affect the region are prayer meetings that have his priority. He's, he has to give you the prayer points. And so for many people, they're praying. And in fact, they're having prayer meetings, not prayer cultures. So the impact is like this in the spirit. And for that to have a significant shift, that's going to take a while. Now, what needs to happen is it needs to be growing bigger in its impact. And so you start to pray. Boom. And there's a massive push through, right? The problem is for many of us, we stop. Oh, we had such a great prayer meeting. It was, this is why it needs to transition from a prayer meeting to prayer culture. Because the devil doesn't sleep. He works overtime. So when you think you've gained ground and you relax, he works on covering up the ground you think you've gained. So you could end up, you had a, a, a powerful monthly prayer meeting, maybe 80% of the church showed up, and that's it. You didn't have another prayer meeting for the next three months. And most of the church didn't even show up. And you see, so the ground you have gained can be easily lost if you don't keep pushing. So what needs to happen is you need to increase in the depth of consecration on the earth and the consistency of the push in the spirit. I mean the contending prayer, not the soaking prayer, the contending prayer. And what's going to happen is this is going to keep going like this like, and then eventually you're going to have a breakthrough. Thank you, ma'am. When that breakthrough happens, you would know you've broken through. Because <laughs> you walk into church, people come up the streets, you just say a few words to them, boom conviction salvation healings deliverances and you will know that it's not anything you're doing in the flesh because pastor mark you will preach the same way you've always preached but the impact will be on another level you've never imagined before you would have the same worship band and people are slight things are going to begin to happen you can think what on earth is going on is because you have broken through in the spirit to break through in the spirit <laughs> requires you invest in yourself in spiritual disciplines and the culture that Jesus himself instituted for us to be a house of prayer. And this is what the church is running away from. Yet we want the crowds. So many people have settled for crowds that have no territorial influence and authority. They're settled for just the externals and they think they're doing good because things look good on the outside. But really, the region is not changing. Nothing, the demons are not scared because the church are gathering. In fact, they're excited because they know this one is uh, still living in compromise, living in, uh, in sin, living in immorality, and is comfortable with those demons. And they're like, you know what, let them gather all they want to. We already have influence. You know, when I showed you the paper, some people are trying to pray and their prayer is not even pushing through at all because there's things in them that's connected to the prince and the power of the air of the region. Whatever is ruling this region, if that has a hold in you, you cannot shift until you break that thing in you by repentance. 
not just repentance in your words, but in your lifestyle. And every time I come here, I know that God has called this place to really inherit something deep in the spirit. That's why, you know, when I got connected to Arume Osai, of anywhere else I could think of, I'd like to connect him with, I thought I need him to connect with Mark and this church because the DNA I feel in this place, it's not fully, I don't think it's come into fruition in its, I, what's the word? It's not come to a place of maturity yet, but it's there, it's there, it's there. And that connection, you know, Aroma Osai coming here, I, I, I believe God is sending people to you to help you navigate what he's calling you to cultivate here it's not by power it's not by might but it's by my spirit as long as there's a yes in your heart he's gonna he's gonna lead you in the process he's gonna he's gonna mature you he's gonna stretch you in prayer i want to wrap up with this i was talking to anita yesterday and she made a comment and i said i would just teach it briefly today before time goes um Maybe you came to this weekend and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do seven hours of prayer. Oh my goodness, I don't think I can do, yeah, like, I don't think I've, it's okay. Start where you are. But I want to challenge you to not stay where you are. Maybe the most you've ever prayed on your own is 30 minutes. I want to challenge you to double it. Maybe you never pray for an hour your whole life this is the time to push into that or maybe you can easily pray for an hour but you've never attempted two or three hours this is the season say lord i've been comfortable at this level i want to know what it's like to exercise what you've placed in me to just go a bit further and as you begin to do that you realize you grow in spiritual strength and stamina and actually you begin to see the benefits of it it begins to impact your life sometimes it takes a while before you begin to see the benefits it might take months of consistency i said i was going to wrap up but i will wrap up with this one uh, one of the uh, letters it says you know whatever a man sows that he will reap i think if the moment we sowed a seed in the ground we reaped a reward instantly everyone will be sowing as in if the moment you prayed you saw all the manifestations of the reward instantly <laughs> everyone will be doing it right away because we want that instant manifestation but the way God has structured this to work is there is seed and then there is time and then there is harvest so you could be planting seeds right now in prayer and you won't reap the harvest of that seed till three months later However, if you keep investing your hours in prayer now, week after week, month after month, when the time of harvest comes, you're going to be in perpetual flow of harvest because you've constantly been planting and then you keep planting still, you know? Anyway, I'm going to stop there. Do you understand with me? My time is up. This is a calling for Rediscover Church. It's time for us to shift. It's time for us to say, Lord, we don't want just prayer meetings. We want a prayer culture. Show us your strategy to raise up this prayer tower in a way that influences, influences this whole region. All these churches that are going to be planted, they're going to have to have this as their DNA. There are no shortcuts. So, Father, we lift our, just lift your hands with me right now as a rapper. Father, we lift our hands to you.
We say, Holy Ghost, make us a house of prayer. We want to take charge of the airways for you. We want to occupy this space in the spirit such that people come in this space and come under, under the government of your spirit of intercession and prayer that they can't help but live out a life of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.